tomb as secure as you know how. And so they went with the Roman guard and they made the tomb secure. They put a seal on the stone so that they would know if anyone had tampered with or moved it. They left that guard stationed at the tomb. They wanted security for Jesus' body so that they themselves could feel secure. But Jesus had other plans, didn't he? Friends, what makes you feel secure? I'm going to actually give you a few moments of awkward silence to ponder that and think about it. What makes you feel secure? I think there are a number of different ways in which we use the word security, so there might be a variety of different things that you're thinking about, but what is it that leaves you feeling secure? Ten seconds can seem like a long time. On the one hand, we have financial security which is really based in whether or not we have enough money, enough to get us through the next day, enough to get us to the next paycheck, enough saved so that someday we can retire, enough maybe even to leave some behind. There's all different kinds of strategies that people employ to try to achieve financial security, but none of them are 100% foolproof. Then there's our physical security, and we do different things to ensure that we are safe and secure. There's, on the one hand, our physical health, diet, and exercise. But then there are all of the measures that we take to keep ourselves safe, to try and keep out any unknown dangers. I don't think any of you have gone so far as to hire a personal bodyguard. But you maybe have a security system installed in your home. At the least, I think we all have locks on our doors for our homes and our cars, and we try to make sure that we use them. We want to try to stay safe, but all the measures we take, sometimes they still fail. Finally, there's relational security. We like to be able to rely on the relationships that we have, to know that there is someone, maybe it's a spouse or a parent or a friend, someone whom we can count on, somebody who has our back, someone who is there for us so that we do not have to go through the hard things of life in this world all on our own. And we achieve that relational security by investing our time our energy, our love into those people, looking after them at the same time as they're looking after us. But relationships are vulnerable. And when it's a relationship between two sinful people, both of whom live in a sinful world, those relationships are inevitably going to be damaged and sometimes hurt so badly that they don't even survive. So our relational security isn't always 100% secure either. When I asked earlier what makes you feel secure, 
Did any of you think about what we just saw happen at the beginning of our service? Did any of you think my baptism makes me feel secure? Because what our baptism does is it forges us together with Jesus. Your baptism unites you with your God. It makes you a part of Jesus, a member of his body. So that everything that is his is yours. Your baptism means that Easter is yours. So let's talk about Easter security. And no, I'm not talking about the failed Easter security, the security of the guards at the tomb who were useless. I'm talking about the security that we have because of the empty tomb. Easter brings us a security that is certain and sure. It gives us an identity, a relationship, a hope that nothing in this world can take away from us. So we hear about that Easter security in our lesson this morning. I included also the last verse from our sermon text last week. Pastor Borman shared it with us, and he talked about in that verse the future that Easter gives us. And it's on that verse that our text today is going to build to point us to the instruction and assurance that we can have for our lives here and now today. We listen to the words of Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 11. If the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you, to your mortal bodies, because of his Spirit who lives in you. And so then, if the Spirit lives in you, and if God has given you life, then therefore, he goes on in verse 12, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of our God. Your baptism means Easter is yours. And Easter brings us security. It brings us security in a number of ways. Those are listed for you on the, the printout. If you'd like to follow along, that sermon insert has some fill-in-the-blanks. The first one is this. Through Easter, we have a secure relationship with our God. He has adopted us into his family. He has made us his children. He has invited us to call upon him as our Father. And the beauty of this relationship that holds it apart, sets it apart as wholly different from all of our human relationships is that because our God is 
perfect, this relationship is 100% secure. While we ourselves are still sinful, because our Heavenly Father is perfect, this relationship cannot fail. He sent our brother, Jesus, into this world to wash our sins away by his own blood so that sin could never come in between us and the Father, could never destroy this relationship that we have with him. But even though that relationship is 100% secure, it may not always feel that way to you. Because we are still sinful. We do still sin against our Father in heaven, and the enemy likes to take those sins and the guilt that accompanies them and use that guilt to try to convince you that that relationship has been ruined. That the Father has forsaken you because of what you've done. And what we do is pretty awful. We slam the door in our Father's face. We yell out, I hate you. I don't want you to be my father anymore with our sinful words and actions. We sometimes even try to run away from home, chasing after whatever the temptation of the day might be, like that prodigal son in the parable that Jesus told us. Again and again and again, we sell ourselves into slavery to the very sins that our God, our Father, has saved us from. Where does that leave us? Well, remember the son in that parable. Where did it leave him? There he was out in the middle of nowhere without a penny to his name, and he thought to himself, the very best that I can hope for is that, God, that my father would make me his slave. If I go and I get down and I beg, maybe he'll allow me to be a slave in his house, and at least there I'll have some sort of security. So he went back. But before he could even get down to grovel, his father grabbed him and wrapped him in a warm embrace, kissed his cheek, and received him as a son. That's a picture of our God, our God about whom the scriptures say, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That son did not have to be re-adopted into the family. He did not have to be re-baptized after he had sinned. He was simply still a son. You are sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. You will be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven forever. Your Father in heaven wants you to know and to be confident, to be sure that you are his sons and daughters despite whatever it is you may have done. So look what he does in verse 16 of our text. To wash your uncertainty and your doubts away, this is what our God does. He puts his Holy Spirit in your heart to testify with your spirit that you are his child. So when your sinful nature says, God can never forgive me for that. The Holy Spirit is right there in your heart because of your baptism to tell you, yes, he can. Because you are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. You have a secure relationship with your God. 
But Easter also shows us that we are safe and secure from harm and from evil and danger, safe and secure in our Father's arms. That's point number two. I talked a little bit earlier about home security. It's something that I think about often. It's something that I think many of you think about too. It is not something that my son ever thinks about. When I go to bed at night, when my head hits my pillow, if I can't remember whether or not I locked all of the doors or armed the alarm, I will get back up out of bed and go and double check to make sure that I did it. But when I lay Amos down for a nap or to sleep at night, home security does not ever cross his mind. The only thing he cares about is whether Heather and I are there. If his mother and father are nearby, nothing else in the world matters to him. And in his waking hours, if he falls down and gets hurt, or if something scares or startles him, the only thing that it takes to convince him once again that he is secure is for us to pick him up and hold him and tell him he is safe. You are safe in your heavenly Father's arms. Do not let anything else convince you otherwise. We try to remember that. I had the opportunity to talk through my sermon with Heather yesterday as we were driving home because she wasn't going to be here today. And it came up, we try to do this, but we aren't always that great at it. And I'll pick on Amos again because he's a good example. There are times when the safety of my arms do not comfort him. When something has happened and he has allowed himself to get so worked up over it that even when I pick him up and tell him he is safe, shh, 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 it's okay, I'm here, you're all right. It takes a long time for him to remember that. And that's not just true of foolish little babies, but that's true for you and me as well. That there are times when things happen in our life and things will happen. Look at verse 17. It promises us you're going to share in the suffering of Jesus. Hard things will happen. You will suffer. Sometimes we allow that to, to work ourselves up so much. And it's in those moments we need to stop and listen. To hear the voice of our Father. Shh. It's okay. I'm here safe. You have a father who will hold you. So let him hold you. Lean into his everlasting arms and know, friends, that you are safe and you are secure. Finally, our baptism connects us to Easter and Easter gives us retirement security. Not in the sense that we typically think about it, not a, a 401k or a 403b or a box of gold coins buried in your basement, whatever your plan is. Easter gives us true retirement security. Security for the day that you retire from this life to the next one. It's very different from the normal type of retirement security we think of. The retirement security that we save for with our money, it stinks. It's hard work. 
you have to make sacrifices. You have to say no to things that you want today in order to set aside money so that you can have that security later. You have to make and keep budgets, and you have to go back and look at them again to see if it's working. You have to set money aside, and where you set it aside matters. You have to trust that the places you set it aside in, it will be secure there, it will grow, it won't shrink, that it will be there when you need it. The retirement security that is yours because of Easter could not be any more different than that. It's simply a gift that your Father gives you. It's the inheritance that He says is yours because you are His children and his heirs. You don't have to work a day in your life for it. You don't have to sacrifice anything to get it because the sacrifice has already been made. Through his life, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus has given you a place in the greatest retirement community of them all. You get to live with him in his glory for all eternity. And I know as we think about that eternity with Jesus in heaven, that, that seems like a future hope. Seems like something that we don't have quite yet. It's off in the distance. But that hope, that security, brings you comfort for the right now, for today. The fact that heaven is yours and an everlasting life with God has been given to you as a free gift is meant to give you peace and security in your hearts today. But be careful, the scripture also warns, that it doesn't give you a false sense of security. You see, the security that it's meant to give us is an increased trust in our God and through that trust, the peace that comes with it. That as we look at life, we know that we have a God, a loving Father on whom we can rely, to whom we can turn. And as we do that, he fills us with love and joy and patience and peace and all the other gifts he has. But there's a false security that can come from knowing our identity in God. As we learn that we are his children, that we are forgiven from everything that we have ever done, that can bring a false security that says, well, now I can do whatever I want. Now I can live however I wish to because my everlasting life is already secure for me in heaven. So watch out for the false security of, it's a big word, licentiousness. There's really two senses in which that word is used. The the broad sense is what we're talking about here. This idea that I have the license Because I am a child of God, because I have God's grace, I have the license now to live however I want to live. There's a narrower sense that applies it more specifically to the sixth commandment, but we're looking here at the broad sense. Watch out for licentiousness, because that is exactly what those opening verses of our text are warning us about. We started out with that word, therefore. In other words, because... God has connected us to Jesus through baptism. Because he's connected us to the resurrection through baptism, he has given us eternal life, he has given us Jesus. Because of that, therefore, now, he says, we have an obligation to live in a certain way. 
We cannot go back to the sins that our God has saved us from because if we do, the passage tells us, we will die. God has saved us through Easter. He has grabbed us out of the waters of sin and pulled us up into the safety of his ark. But if we jump overboard and dive back into the water of sin, we will still sink. We have an obligation then to live by the Holy Spirit, to stay in the safety of God's ark, to listen to the spirit he has put into our hearts and allow him to guide us, to lead us, to show us how to live in that ark. We have an obligation to drown not ourselves, but those sinful thoughts, those sinful desires that would tempt us to jump back out into the water. So every single morning as we get up for the day, every decision that you face along the way, we take those sinful thoughts and we plunge them back down under the water and put them to death. And in doing that, we open up our heart to the Holy Spirit to allow him to lead us. We listen to his word as he reminds us of the instructions our Savior has given us. We seek the kingdom of our Lord. We look for opportunities to show our God love and to share his love with the people around us. And we do it, remember, we do it not to earn the love of our God, but we love because he first loved us. So much so that he lived and died and rose so that you might live with him. So may his love, friends, his Easter love, his baptismal love, his love for you, may it keep you secure today and to eternity. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of your Savior Jesus that Easter peace, that baptismal peace, may it be yours today and forever. May it guard your hearts and minds in him until life everlasting in heaven. Peace be with you. Amen.